read anything EMS related today, and you'll probably see that community paramedicine is all the buzz. In fact, it may even be a bit worn out already as a topic for something that really truly has not even hit full stride. There's no doubt that anyone in the EMS can see that changes are coming. Again, you're not looking close if you don't see it on the horizon. EMS in the US has seen many changes, especially if you've been in the game for a while. Over the last three to four decades, especially modern EMS has become so much more than any of us could have ever imagined. Think back to a time when a couple of nervous paramedics hit the street to test their wings with those fancy portable heart monitors with the monochrome screens and did the unthinkable by sinking a breathing tube down someone's throat in the field. We've come a long way since then. EMS is at another one of those crossroads. We can feel it and will accept it because we have no choice. Community paramedicine will be the involvement of a system that has been completely built on treatment and transport into one that will most likely morph into treatment or transport. We'll explore this topic of community paramedicine and how it affects all of us of all sizes on today's edition of the QMC Board and Collar. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvett. Somehow, EMS will be empowered to help the patient make a decision on whether or not he, she receives just some kind of maintenance treatment in the field by following an algorithm or decision-making tree about when or if the patient is ultimately transported to a facility for further care. And of course, there may be some kind of payment structure, at least we hope, to accommodate those decisions and pay for all of this to happen. In the end, patient care is always primary for those of us who are purists, but the realists in all of us know that the bus is driven by who pays the bill and how much will be paid to adequately support the system. Having said all of this for background, the foundation of this podcast arises out of our concern for what happens to the little guy in all of this. In this case, we don't think it's all about size, but rather it's going to be all about location and connection. Everything we've listened to or read up until today regarding community paramedicine seems to be centered on a fairly robust EMS system that is tied to a metro-sized facility or health system cooperative care model. Kudos to those who conduct their pre-hospital operations in that kind of environment. It must be awesome to have those kinds of amazing resources at your disposal. But there are those EMS systems in a majority of the areas of the United States that don't have those kinds of systems in place. They range from small, rural, off the beaten path systems to areas where the socioeconomic demographics can barely support a pre-hospital system period, let alone one that now calls upon a reallocation of resources when there are barely any resources to reallocate. Many EMS systems in the United States operate in areas where the hospital systems can barely keep their doors open, let alone somehow work to pay for a yet to be determined pre-hospital system that doesn't necessarily translate into their desperate need for life-sustaining revenue even if the community paramedicine program will keep them from being dinged for readmissions. If the money isn't there, it just isn't there, folks. 
when charity care approaches six, seven, eight digit dollar amounts, can hospital administrators focus on savings if there isn't any money to be saved in the first place? The question is hypothetical because we don't work in the inpatient world, but it would seem to be a valid question to us looking on from the outside to the inside. So with all the buzz talk about community paramedicine and working and forming accountable care organizations, no one yet outside those nicely robust partnerships are talking about their initial successes. Doctors in their journals are calling for changes. Politicians are talking, but then again, that's all politicians do in most cases. There are good ones that believe in EMS, but what about the vast majority of those politicians? But talking isn't acting and talking doesn't pay the bills. We have read with complete frustration regarding EMS systems that are jumping on the bandwagon with statements like, we're moving forward with our community paramedicine program as a value-added benefit to the community. I guess my response is, please define value-added. We contend this is giving away services, and heck, we already do that to the nth degree anyway, as any one of us in EMS know. We can't vet out who's going to pay or not on the emergency side, so we act now and collect later. And unfortunately, since we can't get blood from a stone, in some cases, we end up giving away our services. So now we're going to give more. As long as we give more, in our humble opinion, we'll not be receiving more because we're demonstrating that we can give more without receiving more. The point of this podcast is not to be negative to change. Change, in my estimation, is good. And I think a reevaluation of EMS can be good, but there has to be a plan to pay for it. If all this community paramedicine is going to be good for the healthcare system as a whole, then why can't we once and for all do something to commit to pay for it and include all pre hospital EMS models in the process? EMS is more than about the well funded demographic area EMS organizations that command the stage on blogs and webinars and podcasts demand. EMS is more about pre-hospital provider entities that are connected to a robust healthcare system with lots of funding. EMS in the United States also includes rural areas where the closest major facility can be 80, 90, or 100 miles away. EMS in the United States also includes areas of the country where most persons live at or below the poverty level. EMS in America includes funding that is grossly below the cost to provide the service when 60 to 70% of an agency's funding is coming from pitiful Medicare and even more pitiful Medicaid coffers and where there's no tax base to offset the funding gap. EMS in parts of America is about keeping the wheels going constantly just to keep the garage doors from closing permanently. So where is all the extra time, funding, staff, resources, you name it, going to come from to do all this community paramedicine in these areas? So while the White House and Congress spar over reports and analysis that makes no sense in the real world, EMS will figure it out because, of course, we always do. But for once, wouldn't it be nice if our leaders could see the bigger picture while the bureaucrats that move to the beat of the politicians drum recognize that EMS is important and needs to be supported both with policies that make sense and with a funding model that isn't built on a wing and a prayer. If all of you want this to happen, all of us in EMS need you to step up to the plate and tell us now how you intend for us to make it happen. Again, show us the money and create a model that is EMS everywhere, large, small, poor, rural, super rural, urban, municipal, private, nonprofit, fire-based, etc. 
everywhere. Again, show us the money and create a model that is EMS everywhere. Large, small, rural, super rural, urban, municipal, private, nonprofit, fire-based, everywhere. Everywhere that we can live on to ensure that the best care possible is on the street 24-7. When someone finally paints the picture on the canvas, then we'll jump on the rah-rah bandwagon quickly. Until then, we stand on the sidelines, ready and waiting to support the cause. Thanks for attending today's podcast on community paramedicine and how it affects all of us, including the little guy. We are glad you stopped. I wish each of you a good day. And hey, be safe out there. <music>